You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the start, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. On today's show, we'll look at the Indians' win today. Um, we'll discuss some of the uh, the international signings by the Indians and uh, discuss some uh, players in AAA that are standing out um, and who might be able to help the Indians at some point this year. So I'll start off with uh, discussing the international signing period. Uh, the, the big... Uh, uh, addition by the Indians was a shortstop out of Venezuela, Jose Pastor Pastorino. He is uh he's an undersized kid, a lot of tools, uh projects to stay at shortstop. And Luis Durango Junior, son of former minor league player Luis Durango Senior. Uh here's the thing with these international signings. The, the Indians added 20-some players that'll come over, um, play in, for one of the two Arizona teams. And if you're lucky, one out of that 20 hits turns into a major league player. Um, and in many cases, it's not the big name. It is not the guy they're going to give the huge bonus to. It's going to be someone else. Uh, the Indians' success with the bigger-named uh, international players has not been very good over the years, though the current crop of players Players in uh, Mahoning Valley are some of those guys. We'll have to see how they continue to progress. They've had more success often with the other guy. Um, the classic example is when they gave a uh, million dollars to Leandro Linares, who was a you know this Cuban pitcher with a big fastball. The other guy in the boat who escaped with him, who the Indians gave uh, some more, gave a much smaller amount of money to, was Yandy Diaz. And like I said, that is traditionally more the story. These kids, and kids is the correct word, are 16, 17. They are very young. The projection, it's, that's all that it is. Um, you know, people are getting so hyped about uh, the Yankees and Jason Dominguez. He is the most hyped up uh, 16-year-old since Kevin Metian. And Kevin Metian, if you've been paying attention... Um, is not a top 100 prospect, arguably not a top 10 prospect for the Angels after the Braves lost him in their whole debacle. So, yeah, there's a lot of hype, and occasionally you do get Miguel Cabrera, um, but occasionally you get Kevin Metien, you get uh, Michael Yanoa. It's, uh, it's a very low percentage payoff, but it can have big rewards. It's like betting on... Uh, you know, a long horse, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a gambler, so I'm probably have that wrong, but you know, when you're betting the long odds on something and that's what this is, it's a payment on long odds and you're looking at tools and talent that you hope will develop. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a reason why when I make top 30 lists, I don't include any players that I haven't scouted for the draft who have not played it at least short season ball or higher. And that's because Arizona baseball stats are incredibly inflated uh, it's a lot of guys facing a lot of guys who are never going to play in double-A. And even those low-season stuff, we've seen so many guys pop and then slowly fade out. So that's why it's really important to see that progression through the minors. That's why I give so much more value to double and triple-A performance. And you know, there's my big caveat. It's interesting to look at these names, um, but 
again, I'm not putting a single one of these guys in my Indians top 30. I don't care if they had signed Jason. Uh, the I don't think it is Dominguez. This shows how much I pay attention. Um, you know, the Yankees, if they had signed the guy the Yankees got, he still would not make the top 10 for me because uh, I've been burned too many times. The risk is too high. And just sitting here and having written over these players over the years, um, the failure rate is way higher than the success rate. And, uh, you know, the younger the player is, the higher the risk, the higher the volatility. And uh, that is, you know, a, a big part of the reason. In addition, for many of these guys, you're seeing them play at academies. They're just playing other kids there. It's it's not the best place to scout, observe players. They're not going to face quite the same level of talent. It's just it's not an ideal situation to get a player that you feel is a sure or safe belt bet. None of these are safe talents. So, uh, before I go into the game, we're actually going to save the game for the second half of the show because uh, I went... <laughs> oh, big surprise. I went long talking about um, uh, anything. But uh, I thought I'd bring up, you know, talking about young players. Uh, There's a young player on the Indians who uh, happens to share my birthday. Makes him very near and dear in my heart. Daniel Johnson will be turning 24 in a little more than a week and a half. And, you know, he was the centerpiece for that deal the Indians made with uh, the Washington Nationals for Jan Gomes. And he was really impressive in Akron. Uh, ten home runs in a park that is not homer friendly, walking almost 10% of the time. Um, you can take the 24% strikeout rate because he is walking at such a high rate and hitting for power. He moved up to AAA and he got better. Uh, it depends on what you're looking at. But uh, again, it's a very friendly park. It is a lot of quad A talent. Um, often when you go from double to AAA, the the overall talent level drops um, just because AAA is so full of guys who just didn't make the cut, whereas AA is full of guys who are going to make the cut. Um, But he got up there. He's now walking 11% of the time. His strikeout rate is down to about 17.5. He's still hitting for power, hitting for a little more average. And at this point, um, the thing with Daniel Johnson is, this will be the end of his fifth year in the minors. He's got to be added to the 40-man no matter what at the end of the year. And he's performing well. He is a good defensive outfielder with an absolute cannon. You can have him play left, right, or center. You're obviously going to keep Mercado in center. but uh, And you have your Naquin Luplo platoon, which is a really effective platoon. Uh, we'll talk about Naquin's performance today um, on the second half of the show. You know, we talked about how I would have him hitting higher in the lineup, and it's so weird because I have been like this reminds me so much of Lonnie Chisenhall, where <coughs> I was a quote unquote hater for both those players, and then all of a sudden became a defender because they went from being really uh, overrated to uh, being underrated because everyone thought they were going to be you know these big time prospects, big time hitters, and they settled into average talent and. To some, that's a disappointment, whereas average talent was not what I thought either of them would ever become. And to me, there's so much value in averageness um, in baseball, especially when you're a team like the Indians with such small margins. But the Naquin Luplo platoon works great. So the other outfield spot, Jake Bowers, talk about him later. He had a great game as well, but he's not a strong defender in the outfield. Um, 
P shifts to DH. All of a sudden, you have an outfield spot open. And when you put Daniel Johnson in that outfield as a replacement for Jake Bowers, your defensive value goes way up. And, um, you know, I'll talk about Bobby Bradley as well, but it's not been pretty. And one would argue that Johnson's more prepared for the majors because, you know, his defense is always going to be there, whereas Bradley has basically been a DH for the Indians. <coughs> Johnson brings one skill. He's going to make them better there. He walks at a much higher rate than uh, Bobby Bradley. <clears throat> Sorry about that. He uh, he has plus speed. He is the what I've kind of called over the years the four-tool player. Um, the one thing we question is the hit tool, and that is often what we see with these four-tool builds is they have everything else, and it's a matter of can the rest of the tools, you know, be strong enough that a below average hit tool can be successful and I think it can um like I said laser arm plus runner really good power uh really quick hands quick twitch athlete in every single way um it feels like if he wasn't playing baseball he could be at least playing in Europe as a basketball player just because of how fast he is and how quick he is and that's what allows him in spite of being you know 5'10 5'11 to hit for the power that he hits for. And when you look at that overall um, package, like I said, he's got to be added to the 40-man anyway. You're going to improve yourself defensively. You're likely going to improve your team offensively. And you're going to have to add him anyways to your roster. He's likely going to be added in September no matter what. So uh, why not just do it now? There are definitely players on the 40-man relief pitchers maybe uh who can be let go um who you can risk will pass through waivers but uh yeah no i think that uh daniel johnson especially because like i said he's turning 24 very soon and uh he's the type of guy that uh there's not a whole lot of reason to keep him down there you know saying lack of reps in triple a is not really a real reason anymore in terms of uh, the rest of that team, it's like Oscar Mercado. He had 30 games. Daniel Johnson's had thir- actually had more games in AAA now than uh, Mercado had this year. You know, Yu Chen Chang got the, the call up, which was great to see. He is playing better since he came back from injury. Still not great. Pitching wise, uh, I still like Michael Peoples. Strikeout rate near eight, walk rate two and a half, home run rate under one, which is again impressive in that park. Um, we still have not, uh, and then as we go down the list here, it's, it's still a concern that James Karen Chalk hasn't pitched in a while. Same reason that it's a concern that Tristan McKenzie hasn't pitched at all. Um, because when they're in the minors, you can just kind of put them on the shelf and they're on the 10 day disabled list and they could be on there for months and (laughs) then eventually find out arm surgery. I'm not implying arm surgery, but still. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, Nick Sandlin also has had, uh, you know, limited reps. They've the, the, A lot of interesting pen arms <laughs> hit AAA and got hurt. So we'll have to see how things continue to progress. But uh, on the whole, it is not a roster that is uh, super exciting, super interesting. Um, you know, Aaron Saval got the call up to the majors as well. He's pitching well there. Gives you that additional depth. And then it, that's what it is. It's depth. It's a lot of guys, you know, Haas is still hitting for power. Uh, Trace Thompson and Brandon Barnes are former major league players. It's, 
Yeah. Like I said, it's it's just basically at this point it's Daniel Johnson, it's the injured relief arms, and that's the uh the heart of what we're seeing in terms of the triple A squad and the players to watch therein. And now is a good time for a word from our sponsors. First up is Hotels.com, .com website or app. Uh, they will tell you the places you should not go to. They will show you the best deals. They will save you time and money. Uh, you want to go there because that is their whole model. They are going to make it easier on you and save you money so you go back to them. I uh, use them. You should use them. Our other sponsor is BlueChew.com. It is the little blue pill, like Viagra or Cialis, same active ingredients. But since it's chewable, it gets your bloodstream quicker, makes you ready to go quicker. If you go over to bluechew.com, use the promo code MLB, you can try it for free. You're just going to have to pay the 5 bucks for shipping. This is your chance. If you've ever been curious, you want to see what it's like, get discreetly mailed to your door. You're just going to pay that 5 bucks in shipping, and you can see what all the hype is about. Remember, it's bluechew.com, promo code MLB. And we are back. A bit of a role reversal doing the game for the second half of today's podcast. I want to thank everyone who listens, rates, reviews, whatever service you're using, whatever you are doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So today's game, Saul, uh, as I said, this was the game that the Indians were most likely to win. They were they are favored to win all of these games, but this is the one that uh, would set up at the highest percentage, at least in my book. Uh, Trevor Bauer, not his best outing. He, he had been pitching much better. Two home runs given up. The high home run rate is a concern, but the bigger concern for me is only six Ks and six innings. I'd like to see that a little higher, like the one walk, but 11 hits. Um, I mean, that's it's real easy math. 12 base runners, six innings. That's a whip of two. Uh, now, whip is shown to be not a great uh, stat, but it does compile important data in it and you know, that's it's a lot of guys reaching base, giving up five runs. Obviously, not a great outing for uh, for Bauer and uh, Perez comes in, gets a hold. Simber comes in, gets a hold. Wetgren hand shuts the door with the save. Great job by the bullpen starter. Not as much Mercado with two assists in the game. Uh, just unusual, and I feel like you're seeing a guy get multiple assists from center field. At second and at home, of course, their center fielder, Billy Hamilton, also had an assist on Jake Bowers. In terms of the hitters in this game, uh, Mercado over 5 2 Ks, not his best performance, obviously. Jason Kipnis got a RBI and a walk, and that's how he uh, contributed in the box score. Roberto Perez, 0 for 2. Still got a run and an RBI, but he walked twice, and that's what he. That's why his on-base percentage is almost 100 points higher than his average. He's not going to be a high-average guy, but he walks a lot and he hits for power. 0 for three for strikeout for Bradley. It's it's he's now down to 111, 172, 185 for his slashes, um, striking out an obscenely high rate, and that is what we saw in the minors. And like I said, it just sets him up to. Um, it was a, a hard profile to see translate. And I think I was, some people, again, called me a hater, but I felt like it was a fair evaluation when I gave it, and that's what we're seeing now. And, yeah, it's continuing to be an issue. Luplo didn't do much when he was given a chance. Uh, Lindor got a hit. 
Santana goes two for four with a walk and uh, knocks in some runs, it continuing to be the uh, the star of the Indians this year. So let's get to the uh, the big performances. Jose Ramirez going two for five with three runs scored. Awesome to see. We need that more from him. We need him getting on base. We need him producing. I still don't love him hitting fifth, nor do I love Kipnis hitting fourth. Um, I have stated many a time, at this point, I would put Jose at nine, take advantage of his wheels. Bradley should be hitting eighth. The guy that uh, hitting fourth, um, if it's a lefty, I make it... uh, Luplo, if it's a righty, I'm, I don't know if I can quite trust Roberto Perez there. So I think at this point, it's probably going to be Tyler Naquin, who I'll get into his performance today, but uh, I made fun of the Indians for making him the cleanup hitter earlier in the year, and now I'm calling for it to occur. But uh, four for five, um, continues to just to hit absolute rockets, a pair of doubles. He's up to uh, 11 doubles this year. Uh, Jake Bowers also with 11 doubles this year. We'll get into that in a second. 4 for 5 game, 271 average, 301 on base because he doesn't walk at all, and a 458 slugging. So when you combine those, you know, it's it's just add on base and slugging to get your OPS. So that's a, a 759. That is above average. So he is, especially in... When you have him platooned with Leplo, it's just it's you're getting above average production. With Leplo, you're getting plus performance versus lefties, above average with Naquin and solid defense. It's it's easy to to just stick that platoon together and be like, okay, that is one outfield spot taken care of. The other player who uh, had a big performance outside of those two is Jake Bowers, four for five. Three runs batted in, as I mentioned, his 11th double. Also got thrown out at the plate. But uh, it's nice to see him continue to develop. He also, for as much as his average is lower, his average is one point higher now than Roberto Perez at 237. But he does walk at a significant pace. So the 237 is a 308 on base. Now this isn't quite as good as Jose Ramirez, who has a 217 average and 310 on base, or the previously mentioned Brito Perez, who's a 3.29 on base percentage, but you know, just spinning the positives here. Combined, it's still an OPS over 700, and I'll take it. Um, obviously, you know, I mentioned that uh, I'd likely have him hitting seventh, six Kipnis, five Perez, and four uh, the Naquin Laplo platoon. As crazy as it is right now. Um, which is why if Daniel Johnson can come up and perform well, it could really turn the lineup around because, again, it's the speed that he would add in an ideal world. um, I mean, I'd have Mercado 1, Lindor 2, Santana 3. Maybe you can find a place if Johnson hits well enough that uh, you slot him in 1. And then you could do Lindor 2, Mercado 3, Santana 4, just kind of shift everyone. I mean, in the crazy world of advanced statistics, it's you definitely want Lindor and Santana getting up in the first. So you figure out a way to get those two guys up there. Everyone else you figure out later, because those are far and away the Indians' top hitters. But uh, yeah, at this point, um, you want to give Bobby Bradley. He's got four more games to, to show something. Um it's just, 
when you str- when you have one tool in its power and you strike out a lot and you don't walk a lot and you're historically really bad against lefties and you can only play first base it's just not a successful profile and you know i wish i could say that it was going to be um the power potential is great I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he has one of those, like, just fantastic years where he kind of puts it all together, a la what Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus Aguilar did a year ago. But if you look at this point, Aguilar's not even an everyday player for the Brewers. Um, but, uh, I mean, there are tools for Bradley to figure it out. But he now has seven games in the majors, and he's been worth negative ha- uh, 0.5. So he's been the equivalent of a uh, half of a loss. Uh, three hits in his 24 at-bats. 11 strikeouts, striking out nearly 50% of the time. Uh, It's just, if you add up runs, hits, doubles, RBIs, and walks together, you get 10. And what you realize is with hits, you know, that is, we're double counting things like his doubles there. So he has 10 things that are positive. Um, And again, some of those are double counts, and 11 strikeouts. So it's Right now, there's no value being contributed, sadly. Um, you, you give him a bit more time, and then you you don't want him to... Uh, he was playing so well in AAA. Um, after a down year a year ago, you don't want him to risk him uh, really getting into a funk. So post the All-Star break, it's, it's a little bit easier to kind of reshuffle your roster, and that might be the perfect time to, well send Bobby Bradley back to AAA, let him get some more reps, some more confidence, and have him come back in September and consider calling up Daniel Johnson, who is, you know, he's uh, nearly a year older than Bobby Bradley, uh, but a a college graduate, whereas Bobby Bradley was a kid they drafted out of high school. And, uh, well, not necessarily a college graduate, but he's a college player, played in New Mexico State, and uh, just a year older, and uh, brings some value as a runner, and as a defender. Again, thank you for listening, subscribing, telling a friend. Uh, I pumped up the volume on this one a little, so uh, feedback is appreciated. If it was too loud, if I need to cut back on uh, mic volume, just let me know on Twitter. You can find me at Jeff MLB Draft, and as always, go Tribe! <laughs>